Thank you for tuning in to Our Black Voices Matter. We can't remain silent. We must speak up. So let the conversation begin. Hi, good afternoon. My name is Danielle Earl. Uh, I'm a film producer, writer, director, uh, from originally from Bronx, New York, and uh, I live in New Jersey. I'm also a teacher. Um, Keith, uh, I just want to tell you thank you so much for creating this platform and for allowing us to, to tell our story and our truth. Uh, related to this really dramatic time uh, in history that's happening right now in 2020. Um, so the, for the first question uh, that you asked uh, related to uh, George Floyd um, and the murder and, and basically the multiple murders that are happening all over this country, um, you know, particularly George Floyd, uh, it took me about, I would say, a week or two weeks to watch that video. Um, you know, it was just so dramatic um, when seeing it. Um, because I've lived it um, on a personal level, um, especially with my family. Um, I lived in uh, Oakland, New Jersey. Um, my family has lived there for 30 years. They live in in Florida right now. Um, they just recently moved. But um, I can tell you stories in terms of living in Bergen County and in Oakland, New Jersey, which is a very high percentage of white uh, population. Um, uh, at the time that when we moved out there, it was only maybe about 250 families that lived in that area. Um, and we faced so much uh, discrimination and racism at the time. Uh, during that time, my mom was working as a director of nursing in, in Bronx, New York, and commuting back and forth. My father worked at the New York Times. Um, and, you know, during that whole transition and years later, she ended up working as a teacher and worked at uh, John F. Kennedy High School in Patterson, New Jersey for 25 years plus. Um, and I remember the stories like originally when we started, we moved out there. Um, my dad was pulled over. Uh, multiple times uh, because they didn't suspect that he lived there. Um, my mother actually ran for uh, the school board of education. She actually uh, was featured in the newspaper. And um, one of the um, main headline it talked about was race, about race in the curriculum and how it's like, oh, my gosh, you know, uh, for you to talk about, you know, black history and all this stuff related to that or I guess pushing that into the agenda. Um, which wasn't her intention at all. You know, they kind of just focused on the fact that she was this, the first black woman to run uh, for the school board and um, and how shocking that was. Um, and it's sad. It's like, you know, during that time, it was like a, a fearful uh, experience, you know, in the early 90s. Um, I can even talk to you about my own uh, personal experiences, especially when, um, you know, I was in the, the Girl Scouts, at, uh, I would say in fifth grade. Um, I, I was basically, you know, the majority of the people in the Girl Scouts was were white, and, um, and I was actually the only uh, black person that was in the Girl Scouts, and I, you know, basically experienced the time we went to, like, Rocking Horse Ranch, uh, and uh, one of the parents had said that they don't feel comfortable with having me in the same room with the other, uh, you know, people, uh, a part of the... Um, you know, the organization and everything. So uh, my mom was so upset, like, you know, we're, <laughs> we're on this, you know, vacation type uh, experience. And 
um, just hearing that, and she was just really upset. And then I remember one parent stood up and said, um, you know, my daughter is friends with Danielle and have no problem with her being in the same room. And um, for you to even say that, I think that's terrible. And it was just a big, you know, kind of thing. Um, and, uh, but there was multiple times. I remember I was in high school and, um, you know, I wanted to go to school to, to um, I got accepted to the Academy of Art University in San Francisco. Um, and, uh, you know, all these other, you know, schools that I was looking, you know, towards to go to school for filmmaking, or not filmmaking at the time, but um, for art school, you know, and um, I remember my guidance counselor told me, my mother uh, that Danielle, uh, you know, I don't think it's the right fit for her to go to college or four-year college. I don't think she'll be able to handle it. Um, they even mentioned about, um, you know, that I think the best thing for her is like if she works at the post office and my mom was just like very upset, you know, she's an educated woman. She worked, you know, her butt off, you know, for years and, um, and all the accomplishments that she's made, she had a, got her master's. She, you know, used to be a director of nursing for like a large amount of staff and everything. And, and for that, for her to have to experience that was, you know, really dramatic. Um, but, uh, yeah, there's like a lot of, you know, different, you know, experiences and things that have happened, you know, over the years. Um, you know, I remember even with, um, you know, my brother, you know, living in, you know, Oakland, New Jersey. And um, this happened around the same time, I would say like the early 90s or late 90s. Um, and he was in his early 20s, I think, or maybe like 1920. Um, and what ended up happening was he was uh, working at Radio Shack at the time. And um, basically, my mom, you know, was a part of the council in Oakland. She did, participated in a lot of different things, uh, recreation, um, and she even ran for mayor, you know. So um, a lot of things that, you know, um, especially at that time was a little, they would consider, you know, being radical, I guess, at the time, <laughs> you know. Um, I thought it was progressive, you know. So, um, but anyway. Uh, I remember that night, um, it was uh, New Year's Eve, my brother was going to uh, go to the ATM uh, at the time, and it was in Oakland, um, to take up money, because he just got paid, I mean, something, I think he was going to a party or something like that, and he went there, and um, there's a guy in front of him, and uh, what ended up happening was, the guy ended up getting attacked out of nowhere, somebody just came up to him and jumped him, and on my, my brother was like on his way going there, he was like waiting on, either waiting online or walking into um, that ATM, um, and he ended up, you know, just a horrible thing happened. He, you know, the, the, the guy ended up getting beaten. My brother jumped in to try to help him. Uh, and there was a guy at the um, pizzeria that was across the street and saw the whole thing happen and unfold. And he called the police. And so he told them that it was my brother that actually did this whole you know, act. And the guy who actually got hurt said that it wasn't him. So um, my mom ended up having to get a lawyer and have to fight, you know, for him in terms of that whole ordeal. And, um, you know, and it was very dramatic for us, you know, at the time. And my mom, she had the right connections, the right people to help, you know. And if she didn't have that, um, my brother would probably be away in prison for like 10 years or more. Um, so, you know, when I look at this thing that, you know, this event that happened uh, to George Floyd, it's it's it really uh, shook me and it affected me, um, you know, as the weeks went on. Um, the, th the thing about it is the most hurtful thing is seeing people not um, acknowledge the fact that racism does exist and has gone on for 400 years. And the people that you're closest to, um, their reaction to it and just not, um, you're like not on the same level. And it's, it's mostly because of the white privilege, you know, issue.
Um, so yeah, you know, I just wanted to, you know, mention that, you know, that's basically what happened and what all these different stories just resurfaced in my mind of all the stuff that I've faced, um, just related to that video, you know, and watching it. And that's a good question. Um, if I'm, you know, for peaceful processing or just burning buildings down, <laughs> you know, um, yeah, I mean, the thing about it is, and the most frustrating part for people to understand, you know, and especially um, for white Americans to understand, is that we've been doing peaceful protesting for 400 years. It hasn't really helped us in any way, I, to me, I feel. When you see so many people, of uh, people of color, being mistreated, the injustice, blatant injustice that are happening to Black Americans, Black women, Black trans women, women, uh, you know, everybody, you know, people of color, pe uh, people that are in, you know, the LGBTQ community and, and just seeing that uh, unfold and also seeing the divide um, within the community itself, uh, the LGBTQ community and how white privilege, I can't even talk, <laughs> a privilege is going on. It's just, it's so, you know, hurtful, you know, seeing this all happening and just being aware of it. And as black people, you know, we've always known this going, you know, going on. It's just mind boggling that, you know, uh, white Americans are now seeing it just because there's a videotape, you know, and it's like, we've been, we've been speaking about this injustice, about um, the hurt and things that are going on to black women in terms of even the medical field, the horrible things that they had to face and, you know, in terms of, um, you know, experiments and all these different things that we give accolades to, to, uh, you know, people in the medical field, doctors and, and things like that, and how, um, you know, women, black women, black people in general are just inhumane, you know, in the medical book and just showing that, you know, they don't need, um, you know, painkillers or they don't need this type of thing. It's like, oh, my God, it's just mind boggling and just and hurtful, you know, and it's like, you're in America, you're supposed to be a free country, and you're not free, you know, and it's like, we're still living in it. Um, so yeah, you know, to me, I feel like it's something has to give. I'm all for uh, peaceful protesting. But the thing about it is, um, changes have to be made. The people that can make the changes, unfortunately, are people white, you know, the white race, the white uh, people that are in politics, that are in the forefront, like, you know, similar to the re election that we're going through right now with Biden, you know, um, he has to be the face of what we need to make the change. Um, but at the same time, we need to push people of color to work together hand in hand um, to make changes, to make, uh, you know, possibilities for us. Um, and, and that's what we're fighting for. And I think white people have to understand, we just want to be treated like everybody else and just be the same. You know, as a teacher, I try my best to teach my students this, teach my students about, you know, equality and, and showing them that, you know, you can excel, you know, and, uh, you know, education is very powerful. It's important for everyone. Um, you know, but the thing about it is, is like, you know, you have to, um, you know, generate in terms, like, you know, in terms of equality for everybody, in terms of, you know, what we're going through right now, and and what we're fighting for, and for people to understand that, and um, and yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, it's very simple, <laughs> you know, and and what makes me upset is like, you know, when people are saying like, oh, 
um, statues being turned down, and it's like, you know, we shouldn't be doing this one after the other, and I'm saying to myself, I'm like, do you understand what those statues represent? And showing people, especially like the Roosevelt statue, and you're seeing a black person, a black male, you know, tied up and and walking behind somebody, uh, you know, a white person, um, showing that privilege of white privilege and showing that type of power and showing them that they're powerful. It's it's very traumatizing for our youth, our black youth, to be able to see and go to a museum and seeing that. And, you know, it really, you know, hits me because I look at myself and I'm saying to myself, all the imagery and everything that I've watched on television have all shaped of how I am today and how I view, um, you know, my race. And now, you know, as I've gotten older and, and you know, went to college and, and went to experience things and learn more about, um, you know, myself as, as a black woman, you know, um, all the scholars and all the people that have shaped this country. Um, is just an eye-opener experience, you know, and it's like, that's what we need in the schools. It needs to start, you know, in elementary, <laughs> as early as that, you know, showing that everybody's the same, and, and whoever created the whole definition of race is is created from a white person, is not created from a person of color, and, you know, the whole terminology, and, and it goes even deeper to, like, religion, you know, showing that, you know, all of the religious books and the, the biblical Bibles and everything that we watch, it's like all showing, you know, white, you know, people <laughs> on the cover. And it's like never people of color read, you know, and we kind of go through that and like read up on all these different things. Um, but yeah, you know, I'm, hopefully that answers the question. <laughs> I'll end it there. Oh yeah, you know, women, black women, black men, um, you know, people in, you know, Black people in general in the LGBTQ community, it's it's all the same, you know, all relative. We've gone through it um, and just seeing the injustice of what's going on, um, it definitely, definitely takes a toll on your mental health. I mean, to me, I think the trauma is so deep um, for people that are in my age group, um, you know, for people in their 20s and, and younger, I feel like, you know, they're the ones that are actually helping this whole movement, you know, the younger generation, um, because they're living in a world that is a lot different than what we went through, you know, and we've seen the whole, you know, uh, divide in the 90s and the 80s and all these different things of what's, what was going on during that time. Um, so it's the youth is really making that change. Um, but to me, I feel like the trauma is is, is very deep. It's hard. Um, you know, it is very important for us to, um, for self-care. I think that at this time, Black people have to be united. We can't be divided. And and I've seen that happen in my own community and especially in the Black community um, in terms of social status or anything like that. You know, if, if, if a white family, not a white family, but if a Black family that lives in a white neighborhood or came up to, you know, in terms of, um, that upbringing and, and in terms of education and that, that sort of thing, it's like looked down on and it's like, you know, they don't, they can't, I guess, like if somebody's coming from, uh, you know, uh, an area or background that's, um, you know, that's not at the same level, maybe in, in some aspects, you know, there is a divide for some reason, you know, and it's like, they're kind of a rejection, you know, type of thing. Um, they're looked down at that, at that, you know, and it's like black people have to be supported supporting each other if you see an opportunity any project or anything like that you need to be helping each other because that is what the white 
you know, people in terms of racism or <laughs> racist want. They feed on that. They wanted us to be divided. They wanted us to just be, you know, attacking one another and all this other stuff. And and we need to be, uh, you know, in terms of our history and learning about even like the, you know, the Harlem Renaissance. You know, my, my family, um, you know, my mother's side originally came from Trinidad family, you know, immigrants that came, you know, to America and, and all that other stuff. And, and you see all these things that are happening, you know, um, you know, in Harlem, you know, Harlem was the Mecca for black people in terms of power and everything. And, you know, seeing that they had black businesses that were dressed up to the nines and then seeing how white America had literally took the rug from underneath them. Um, and to me, I feel like even in terms of the drug market and all these different things, they fed into that and pushed that to black people, people of color, which is truth. And, you know, and that's the reason why, why there's so much things going on. And they pushed a lot of the black people into a certain area, created poverty and all this other stuff that has happened. Um, if you look at all the businesses that are in, you know, right now in like the Bronx and then in other areas, you notice that some areas They'll have like a liquor store, they'll have this, but you'll never see like a Whole Foods. You know, I would wish to see if like, you know, a white, you know, person that, you know, is in, in corporate or in, you know, Whole Foods market or something like that saying, let's put all these different, you know, places in the black neighborhoods. Let's put all these different, you know, businesses in those neighborhoods and, you know, show that like, you know, help them, these communities and make it like, well, you know, they're going to start eating healthy. Everything's going to, it's like, it's almost as if it's like a setup to kind of like fail in a way, which is so hard, you know, heartening, you know, disheartening, you know, in a way. Um, what I feel like is that, uh, you know, during this time, as, you know, white people that are wanting to be allies and wanting to support this movement, um, what they can do is invest in black business owners, um, you know, buy up properties. If you have properties in Harlem or in Manhattan, you know, give it to black business owners and saying, hey, you know, I'm going to have you have this business over here. This is business over here. And then little by slowly, you know, we will, you know, basically get our community and everything like that back on track, you know, and helping provide um, you know, resources and support for each other. And especially as black people, um, you know, if we're, if you have a business and if you're working on it, you need to have, you need to hire everybody that's a POC person of color to give them an opportunity and to support them. And that's what we have to do, you know, and I learned that over the years, I'm 35 years old, I'm going to be 36 soon, um, that as a teacher, um, you know, it's your job to create opportunities for the kids of color and to show them that they can achieve anything they want to um, in this life and, and show them just to generate a sense of hope um, is what we need right now. Now, um, in terms of, you know, defunding the police, I, I disagree with that. I feel that, you know, in terms of the police department, they have to be more mindful of the people that they're hiring. You know, look up the records of before they hire these people, you know, in terms of like, you know, police officers and, you know, check up on the references. If they had issues with abuse or, you know, in, in terms of family abuse or, you know, in the army or any, you know, um, post-modern depression or anything that they've experienced, I think there needs to be like a literally you know, evaluation or process to people that are going into this police department training and, and all that type of stuff. Emotional training has to happen with it and, and teaching this whole thing that we're learning about right now, 
um, in terms of black history and all this other stuff, you know, re- realistically, that needs to happen at the home. It's, it's embedded. And that's the reason why there's so much of this racism that happens, you know, with police officers feeling like the definition of like power and that, you know, you're wearing this uh, uniform that represents, OK, you can do no wrong. You can do whatever you want, you know, and that sort of thing for some. You know, um, but for others, the you know that I've known are wonderful cops. I mean, I mean, I have uh, an aunt who you know was in the police department for oh my god, like twenty plus years or more, um, and you know basically was an excellent cop. She had you know coworkers and and everybody that valued the law. You know, were very um, in terms of peace and and uh, helping you know citizens and and that sort of thing. Um, but the thing is that there are people that are in the police department that are, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, in terms of racism at all time high, you know, it's like in Oakland, New Jersey, I remember there was um, a person that was a friend of my mom's, you know, I don't want to state her name in this, you know, interview. (laughs) I don't know if she's listening, but she was the first black person, black woman um, to be an officer, a police officer in Oakland. Um, and I can tell you stories about what had happened to her. She didn't last very long in, in, in working there. She actually just, uh, you know, relocated because of the whole dramatic experience that she had faced while she was working there. Um, they would actually photocopy uh, pictures of monkeys and put it on her desk. Um, she was, uh, you know, called an N-word and all different kinds of names left and right working in that police department. Um, there believe there's, you know, there's, I don't know if it's happened now, but there's no women, I believe, at the police department in Oakland. If, if I'm mistaken, I could be wrong. Last time that, you know, when I was living there, um, no one of color. Um, and so they kept it that way, <laughs> you know? Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I've, I've lived through people that were in the police department that had, uh, the KKK symbol, um, on their shirt. Um, and, uh, you know, finding out that, you know, um, the meetings that they would have, which was right down the street by, uh, Rainbow College, um, the reserve, and they would be having their meetings with the veils, you know, the whole outfit and whatnot. Um, one of my friends, actually my mom's friend that was a teacher, his son was chased by the KKK right there in Mawa. Um, so, you know, we've, we had to live through those experiences of that quiet racism, um, and that's the reason why, you know, I feel like the protest thing needs to happen. Changes need to happen by law. Um, and also, you know, um, even it goes beyond in terms of the medical field and everything. All the discrimination cases have to be at the forefront. Um, and just in terms of police officers, you know, and, and police officers, they just need to be trained like better. And just um, that's to me. I feel like anybody who is in that mindset, you know, can change is just that it they have to start at the home um but also if they're won't going to go into police department they have to be mindful of this this different you know scenarios and understand um you know that you can't base um you know your uh you know arrests on race you know and take away the stigmas take away all the you know um the prejudgment towards black people and, and all that stuff i've seen it happen in bergen county in new jersey of white people that um you know literally have done terrible things <laughs> okay and seeing like especially a lot of you know kids at that time and in, in the high school and stuff like that have literally gone away with murder and because they're white they've you know been able to get away with a lot and so you know it doesn't surprise me 
you know, and that that uh, divide that's happening, you know, in New York and, and, and everywhere in the country, you know. So, um, but I, again, I feel that it's just a matter of training for the police officers. They need to go through some sort of program so that we, they can understand and just be better, you know, police officers, you know, at the, the forefront. So, so yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Um, I definitely um, experienced that in terms of racism, in terms of police department and things like that. Um, uh, I remember the time that I was working um, in Patterson at the time. Um, right now I work in Orange, New Jersey. Um, and I was driving home one time and um, I was pulled over. Um, and it was like I didn't do anything wrong. I actually talked to the officer. It was very calm and everything. Um, and the guy gave me a, a ticket. Um, you know, saying that I think it was like a mix between like a speeding and ornate speeding, but I was turning off of um an exit and he pulled me over. Um, I don't even remember this is like a long time ago, but I remember that like, you know, I didn't do anything wrong, <laughs> clearly. And uh he gave me a ticket and I ended up having to go to the you know, court and having to, you know, pay the ticket. It was just a waste of time, but it's like um, I've had, um, you know, cops follow, follow me, you know, um, on the highway, um, when I go to certain communities. Um, and, um, but the thing about it is if my mom wasn't, um, you know, related to politics and things like that in that community at that time, um, you know, I would have been pulled over left and right even further to the, that limit. So, um, you know, I've learned from my mom, you know, especially I'm getting older now, you know, she's getting old too, you know, but, um, that you have to be involved. You have to also be in a position, whichever job that, you know, uh, that you have um, that speaks to like black voices, like you mentioned about, you know, um, and using that, you know, to your advantage. You know, I'm a teacher. I teach students, um, you know, about, you know, equality, about that they can achieve anything they want to in life and uh, at any level capacity. Um, you know, my grandmother had a fifth grade education, came from the West Indies. Um, father, same thing. He ended up going into the service. My father um, died of, un, you know, unfortunate circumstances that we don't talk about, but very dramatic. Um, and my mother was 16, 17 years old, having to live through that, work, help with her mother. My grandmother ended up having to go back to work again, fifth grade education. She ended up having to clean homes um, in Manhattan. Um, she ended up having to have two replacements um, because of all those years of, of, of labor that she went through and, and just um, hardship and all that other stuff. Um, and, uh, and yeah, she had to live you know, in a world that she had to walk through the back of the house to enter. She couldn't enter to the front. Um, you know, you have to understand this is not that long, you know, not that long ago, you know, and we're still living in this, this world, you know, it's, it's as much as we want to talk about the possibilities that we've had and we faced and, and all the other stuff, there's a lot of, you know, things that are in terms of opportunities for black people that are still not there. You know, you look at all these different TV networks and, and, um, you know, people who are, um, you know, people of color are not at the forefront, you know, BET, MTV, all these different networks that have a lot of black content, but they don't have a black person representing that, you know, world, you know? Um, so yeah, you know, I kind of went on the tangent there, but, um, yeah, I've, I've faced that type of thing of, of, you know, police harassment, of, of feeling that fear and that fear will continue to be, you know, in us forever, you know, as, as, as black people, you know, until we're able to make changes. And I love the fact that now we're starting to make changes. 
um, with the help of allies, of white, white allies that want to support this movement. Um, so, yeah. So I just want to answer that question there. <laughs>